3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: A happy Thursday. A thirsty Thursday. The mothership reconnects. Welcome to four hours of solar sports keg stands live from the CBS Sports Radio studios in a city that I can't say Heard on affiliates nationwide and north of the border on the free Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app. On Sirius XM Sports Channel 158, from Anchorage to Atlanta, Minneapolis to St. Paul, Kalamazoo and Waterloo, we are on the air.
5: Uh, they listening, DA. Everything we saying, DA. Everything. It is...
4: Thirsty Thursday time again here on the DAW. It is day four of another week without the DAW. Andrew Bogish in for Damon Amendola. Ryan Botcher continues to be in for Pete Bilotti. However, the body makes his return tomorrow. So look out White Sox. Look out any other team considering a managerial change or a front office change. The man that wields that power returns to his power chair tomorrow. This is once again a show produced by Kevin Wall. And Peter Schwartz returns to bring you headlines on this Thirsty Thursday. You know what that means. We're toasting the good stuff on this Thursday. Normally there's crap and complaints and trashes and get away from me, buddies. But today it's all positive, unless you're the Angels, so tweet us your toasts at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish. You could call them in as well, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I'll remind you once again that there is no Pete the Body Bilotti, which means that somebody actually will answer the phones if you were to call in with a Thirsty Thursday nominee, with a take on anything going on in the sports world. Your phone calls will be answered for the remaining four hours today. Tomorrow, Pete's back. All bets are off. I'll also remind you that this remains just a radio show for two more days. Andrew Kappa enjoying some time off, so there is no stream. You just have to listen. But if you need to know what's happening visually on this show... Today's Ryan Botcher t-shirt is brought to you by New Jersey. He is wearing a Nets t-shirt jersey, Jason Kidd, in fact. And as I was leaving the newsroom to come into the studio, there was conversation of whether a young Ryan Botcher had either ever seen Jason Kidd play a basketball game live since you were born in 2001. Well, I caught him with the Knicks. Okay. And then I think... Almost doesn't count. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the
3: last season he was with the Nets. I, used to, I saw him.
4: Okay. Or something around there. I know Vince Carter for sure was on the team. Okay. When I, when I was at games. Okay. I think I saw Jason Kidd play live. So uh, we're going to drink to that in a very sad way. What else do we discuss on this Thursday? Uh, how serious is Chris Jones's unhappiness in Kansas City? The Chiefs' stud defensive lineman continues to hold out. Uh, and is threatening to continue to hold out into October. Is Trey Lance done in San Francisco? What I deem a genius ticketing idea from Memphis football that's been on my agenda all week long, I think we'll get to it today. The ACC, after all, maybe is going to head west, and sounds of Saturday continues with the voice of the USC Trojans, P. Arbogast, another kind of dean Of this industry. Yesterday we spoke to Jeff Colhane. Who is in year 2 at Florida State. He is the Ryan Botcher basically. Of college football announcers. Just a baby. Just brand new. Pete Arbogast. Another guy who has had the job for years and years and years. Is the voice of a program. Is the voice of a generation of fans. When they think about their favorite Trojan moments. Reggie Bush. Whomever. Matt Leiner. Pete's voice is in their head. And I can't remember exactly who I said this to. I don't, was it this week or two weeks ago? But that, to me, is the pinnacle of this profession. And the particular profession of of play-by-play radio, TV, broadcasting, which is my first love in this industry. I understand the allure of being Joe Buck and calling World Series and calling Super Bowls, but that's a very limited job. There's only one Joe Buck. But there's a lot of people who get to become the soundtrack of a team, the soundtrack of a program, and have their voice forever connected to, you know, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 years of highlights. That, to me, means you've made it. That, to me, means you've done it. And that's what Pete Arbogast has been doing, I think, since the mid-'80s, if I'm remembering correctly, at USC. But either way, it is a uh, excited to talk to him and excited to talk about a really exciting football team. I mean, they did almost everything correct a year ago a hamstring injury here or there, and things might have ended even better for the Trojans last year in year one under Lincoln Riley. Year two still has Caleb Williams, and basically they went around the country, USC, and just handpicked guys out of the transfer portal that they needed for this position, that position. You just come in, guys are showing up saying, hey, I'll I'll play, you need a guy. It's, it's, It's nice living if you got it, if you're the head coach of USC, and the Trojans are rolling coming into this new season. But not too far from there, is the complete opposite of USC football. It is, if they're still called this, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and their baseball hex continues because I woke up to my phone being overrun with alerts by every sports app and entity connected to my phone and my iPad telling me that the basically everything has gone wrong for the Angels in the last, I don't know, 18 hours, including... Their pets' heads are falling off. It's where we begin. Here's
2: the pitch, and Shohei drives the ball deep into right center. It's way out of here. Right out of the blocks here on this Wednesday. It's showtime. 2 nothing Angels. And here's the next pitch. That's fouled back on the right side, back to the club level. Still 2-2. Two and two. Last fastball from Shohei at 94 and now the angels are headed out to the mound so there seems to be some concern about otani you just mentioned the velocity appeared to be down yeah phil nevin has his hand on shohei's shoulder and we'll just have to wait and see what plays out here Yeah,
0: velocity's been down. We're seeing sweepers and splitters. Yeah. He's not throwing a fastball above 94. And that is going to end the day for Shohei.
2: Yeah, he is going to leave. Shohei left the game today. (laughs) Um, We did imaging in between games. He does have a tear, uh, you know, and he won't pitch the rest of the year. So we're going to get a second opinion go from there but it's basically day to day obviously he hit so um you know that's that's where we're at
5: i don't believe it the most amazing sensational dramatic heart-rending
2: it's da's top story here he goes it's your cold open
4: this is why we can't have nice things the baseball world changed while you were sleeping most of you were sleeping Shohei Ohtani's Wednesday began with two strikeouts in the top of the first inning. And then in the bottom of the first inning, the home run that you just heard. And then all hell broke loose for the Angels. He leaves the game. As you heard Perry Manasseh and their GM say, they go for scans. And he's got a tear in his UCL. It's the second time he's had that. The first time in 2018, he tried everything other than surgery. Didn't work. Had surgery. Then didn't pitch in 2019. Still wasn't the same in 2020. Since then, he's been the best thing we've ever seen on a baseball field. And all the conversations we've had up until last night were, holy crap, this guy's ridiculous. Make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're enjoying this. Should they trade him? They shouldn't. They should. Why didn't they? Oh, my God. Now they've fallen apart. We told you they should have traded him. He's going to leave. They're going to get nothing. And now maybe he needs Tommy John surgery. The early thoughts yesterday were he's going to try and and go through this again without surgery. But usually you end up having surgery. And surgery would mean not pitching next year. And a second Tommy John surgery is certainly not good news for anybody. We were months away from arguably the greatest free agency surgery search sweepstakes ever. I put it up, I mean, in any sport, a guy like that, unique to say the least, an all-star pitcher, an all-star hitter, a future Hall of Famer, again, doing things that you're not supposed to be able to do and doing them well was about to be on the open market for anybody with five six seven hundred million dollars to burn who could go get him and change your franchise and change further change baseball and now i don't know what oh and p.s mike trout's going back on the injured list because after just coming back from that broken bone in his hand had a swing yesterday didn't feel right so he's going back on the il maybe he plays again this year it doesn't matter though Because they're no longer capable of winning a wild card spot. They were not going to win one anyway with a fully healthy Otani. But with Otani not pitching, that's completely off the table now. So part of me goes, I would just disband. The the Angels can no longer exist. This is an all-time hex. This is an all-time curse. Wasting Mike Trout. Getting Otani. Wasting Otani. And now on the precipice of losing him for nothing, I go in one other slight direction here, just kind of spitballing. Tell me if I'm crazy. Maybe they don't disband, and maybe somehow this is the universe turning in their direction, because now maybe this actually helps them re-sign Otani. Because I don't know how you handle this. I don't know how you handled him to begin with fully functioning Otani. I'm not smart enough to know how you pay the hitter Otani plus the pitcher Otani. I don't know how you pay four, five, six years down the road not knowing. Ex- at some point I, you know the, the theory is, the idea is at some point one side or the other is going to have to give in to the other. He's going to have to be more hitter or more pitcher at some point. It's when you think that point is and what side you think he goes to presumably you would just be the hitter because you can be the hitter for for much longer than you can be an effective front end starter so you're trying to figure out how you pay for both things you're trying to figure out how to pay into the future where maybe he's not going to be elite at both anymore but now you got to figure out how do or even if i want to pay him coming off a second Tommy John surgery so maybe just maybe nestled underneath all of this soul-crushing, heartbreaking, organization-destroying news of yesterday. Maybe there is a sliver of a silver lining that the Angels, who... When we had John Morosi, MLB Network, on the show a couple of weeks ago, I think he pegged it at like 30% chance of him staying in Anaheim. Maybe that just got a bump closer to 50-50. Maybe, just maybe a damaged otani options different maybe there's a way even to sign him like to like a, a smaller contract if they would want to do that to get him through I, I don't know i don't know because actually to be honest it's hard to even have a thought about this because if you've listened to me on this show whether I've been doing this job or my actual job on the show nobody loves appreciates this guy more than me i am in complete awe Of what he's doing. It's the best thing in sports. Day in and day out. Although Messi keeps really forcing the issue on that as well. With more magic last night. In another tournament that an MLS team finds itself in. But there's nothing better. Night in and night out in sports. Than Shohei Otani pitching and or hitting. And now... He maybe, probably needs a second Tommy John surgery. So at the very least, we're more than a year away from going back to the possibility of him doing both well. And it's on the table now that he never can get back to being the pitcher that he he is, that he was up until yesterday. There's also the idea of when all this went down because don't forget, he was pitching yesterday for the first time, I think, since like August 9th was the date because of arm fatigue. And then he comes back and all of a sudden he's got a UCL tear. And they say that this came out of nowhere yesterday, that the issues before were just fatigue and just cramping, dehydrating, whatever. It was not the fear of this, that just yesterday was the only time he said, ouch, my elbow hurts. I just, I don't, I just, I don't even know where to go. This is just, it just sucks for everybody. But from a, Baseball business standpoint, we no longer have the truest form of the Otani sweepstakes because now it's about UCLs and Tommy John and not just about the MVP and a Cy Young candidate being the same person. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. There's still so much to discuss on the Otani front. We will do that all morning long. We've got more in the ACC, apparently renewing its flirtation with Stanford, with Cal, with SMU. There's more baseball. It's more bad news from baseball. It's the Wanda Franco fiasco, which we could not get to yesterday, never had enough time for it, did not want to sure change an important conversation. We will do our best to find a hole for that this morning as well. There is Trey Lance. There is Jonathan Taylor. There is Chris Jones. And it's a course of Thursday, Thursday. Send us your toasts at Andrew Bogish at CBS Sports Radio. Soundcheck is next. And it's a big sound check. There are four clips in soundcheck. Some good jokes, some
3: bad jokes, some bad memories. It's all next on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. CBS presents this program in color.
1: An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them.
2: The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck.
4: And Soundcheck, once again, is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at WesleyFinancialGroup.com. So here we go, a jam-packed soundcheck on this Thursday. Thursday, it begins with Jerry Jones being the worst form of Jerry Jones, discussing defensive end Sam Williams getting arrested for a second time.
1: Well, I, first of all, I'm saying that he is as, which is more often the case than not. Uh, this sh- sounds a little hollow, but he does and is uh, maturing, uh, and he is. Uh, the, uh, uh, what was he going, 66? Was he going 66 miles an hour? Last year. No, this year. So he's 34 miles an hour less than this year than he was last year. (laughs) 98.66. So that's improvement.
3: It's not funny.
4: Morty, just nod if you'd be willing to actually assault Jerry Jones (laughs) with your tuba. So if you're struggling with Jerry's slow pace and kind of scattered delivery... What he was doing there was making a joke about Sam Williams getting pulled over for a second time for speeding. This time he was only doing 66, not the 98 the first time. So he's slowing down while still blowing through speed
5: zones. He's maturing but still getting arrested. So this is his – I
4: actually think it's his third reckless driving incident, but the second time he's been pulled over for speeding – And we're making jokes about it, and other adults are laughing at the jokes. No one going, hey, Jer, um, we're probably lucky we're not talking about a guy maybe crashing into somebody else and hurting somebody else or, God forbid, any worse. This is probably not the thing to joke about, that he's speeding less.
5: This is Jerry Jones just being Jerry Jones. Uh, uh, I mean, it must be nice to make jokes when you have a $6 billion franchise, you're living on a yacht, and you keep screwing up your team. I mean, the only cowboy that's slowed down faster <laughs> recently is Ezekiel Elliott. But, hey, <laughs> let's make jokes. As one of my players, one of the Again. people I'm paying millions of dollars gets arrested. But, hey, it's okay. He's maturing, slowing down. Yeah, and also, by the way, charged with uh, possession of a controlled substance, which
4: is not marijuana. So, Now, the the charge is not driving while impaired. It's just having that on him after the traffic stop. So this dude is just flat irresponsible behind the wheel of a car. We're lucky that only we're talking about speeding. Jerry's making jokes instead of going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hire him a driver. I'm going to have him stop being a doofus on the road. Instead, he's making jokes of how he's grown because now he's only doing 66
5: and a 35, not 98. What's the next excuse? Oh, uh, Sam Williams, he was on the GTA Five bench, so he was speeding all over the place playing video games.
4: Yeah, that Grand Turismo was a good movie. Everybody's fired up, wanting to drive fast. All right. Here's some good news. Remember when the Seahawks didn't win the Super Bowl because they were right on the goal line and threw a pass and it was intercepted? Well, Pete Carroll and his buddy Richard Sherman... On the Richard Sherman podcast got to relive the end of Super Bowl 49.
1: You know, you guys are so mad at me and so pissed. <laughs> <We're> hurt. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could feel it the way I should feel it, but you know, got to keep going. that play just happened. Yeah. It wasn't like by design. it wasn't there was no agenda. That play just happened. You guys couldn't hear it for years. but when we got down there, if you remember, we had one timeout, mm-hmm. and so as soon as we got there, I said, one of these plays we're gonna have to throw it to get all four plays. Cause I'm always in, make sure that we have a chance to get all four shots. Right. So we run the first play. And I think what happened is Bill's late, he sends in the goal line team. Mm-hmm. And we had already sent in eleven. Right. That went through the the play callers. And mm-hmm. that's what led them to throw it on that down. Right. It had nothing to do with anything else. Right. We've practiced it a million times. It was just the way we had prepared. So I was rock solid on on the philosophy of it. Mm-hmm. It right. just was the worst play that could ever happen, you know? And the guy makes a play <laughs> made a A play of a career, career for everybody's career, really. Right. And it and it turned all of that so dark so instantly. Yeah. If you remember, my moment was, I bend down and think, oh, I got to take this. You right. know? I thought, this is the one of those moments that you prepare for. You got to be the epitome of poise, handle it, and own it. There's nothing you can say that's going to put it any other place. It was just as catastrophic as any moment could be. But the thing was, had we won that game, we'd we have won the won next one. We'd have won again. Because <laughs> we went back to the playoffs anyway. Right. Again, after with all the turmoil, <laughs> It was a great team, man. Yeah. We were a great team
4: and you and that decision ruined it. I mean, he says he wants to take responsibility, but has he taken responsibility? He, his his explanations have never made sense. And I love him as a head coach. I can't believe he's 71. That's the don't forget, that's the oldest head coach working right now in the NFL.
5: And throwing like Uncle Rico. Oops.
4: Exactly. But his explanations have never made sense of their decision to throw. And he clearly knows a lot more football than I do. And I still don't know what he's talking about. There is still no scenario where they had a timeout. They could have stopped the clock after runs that didn't get in the end zone runs from Marshawn Lynch. I don't still understand the logic of throwing at any situation there four downs at the one Marshawn, 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 Marshawn until he's in the end zone with a timeout they didn't need to throw a ball to spike a ball to stop the clock they had the ability to stop it once there was no reason to throw a pass there never will be a reason to throw a pass and the headline and all of that is that it ruined the whole thing because the defense correctly hated them for being stupid now i don't think it was like you know they wanted they didn't want to give it to mark there's a there's some different conspiracy theories they just made a dumb football decision it backfired in the worst possible way and all of those guys correctly never let them forget it and I kind of wish Richard was a little meaner and a little had a little more pushback in this conversation on the podcast
5: and the one thing that we also forget about Jermaine Curse a couple plays prior made one of the best catches in NFL history yep and it was erased with the minutes
4: yep I'm I'm trying to remember now when that came up there was another we, we we got on that idea on the show about Great moments that get forgotten because your team didn't win. I had forgotten about that catch. I think DA brought it up, and I had to go back and watch it again. So, I mean, it's it's, it's on the list of the Manningham catch and the Tyree catch for the Giants. New Yorkers here, like me, Andy Chavez had a tremendous catch in the NLCS against the Cardinals, but the Mets lost. Carlton Fisk's home run waving it fair. They lose the next game. So, but that one still lives on. But, yeah, the curse catch was ridiculous, and it should have been the precursor to Marshawn Lynch falling over the goal line for a touchdown and a repeat by the Seahawks.
5: And it would have been the dynasty. They, yeah. There was no doubt that they were going
4: back. And it, and it literally, that one decision ruined everything because the defense correctly wanted to fight them nonstop because they did a dumb thing on offense, and it cost all of them. Exhale. Now the lighter portion of sound check. This is hard knocks. This is this week. This is Quinnen Williams, Jets stud defensive tackle, on a knee with the rest of the D line group after Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans did a joint practice last week. Apparently, called Quinnen Williams fat.
0: Mike Evans called me fat.
1: He called me fat, bro. Mike Evans. Bro, I lost weight this all season. I look fat. Now I'm self-conscious, bro. Yeah, I would say, no, I'm damn, bro. You think,
2: but um, well,
1: I, I think you well, no, it's good. Oh, you think I? You, rewind it.
0: Do I look good to be 300 pounds? Okay, cool. So, you proportionate.
4: This is my favorite moment, and I, I'm a sucker for for behind-the-scenes shows. I know there's a lot of people here in New York who think these jet episodes suck. I've been entertained. I have been. This was great. This is four or five big fat dudes on a knee. And basically Quinin Williams wants to be known as the skinniest fat guy, as the healthiest fat guy. Labels we've thrown around this show for years now. Doctors telling Sean that it's okay that he weighs whatever he weighs, and he's defending himself. And I got this looks good and that looks good. These we've had that conversation on this show. You're not skinny. You're thick. You're husky. You're proportionate. These are, This is how we've walked around it. You know what? And Quentin Williams is not wrong. He's 300 pounds, but he does look good for 300 pounds. Which Sean, and Sean's not 300 pounds, but Sean doesn't look good for whatever Sean weighs. <laughs> and we don't need Sean on vacation this week. I think we're on 3 straight days of shirtless pool pictures or videos of Sean that literally I mean we just don't nobody needs it. Nobody needs it. But this conversation ha- had me in hysterics watching it yesterday because this is this was our life for a decade. Not well we couldn't use the, the f-word. So at least they are a little open more open minded with the Jets and Mike Evans. They said fat freely, but diagnosing
5: just how fat somebody is is one of our specialties, and it ended up on Hard Knocks this week. That is the one thing, because we know what Hard Knocks is. We know the competitiveness on the field. You're going to hear F-bombs left and right. That was one clip where it was clean. <laughs> it was <Right>.
4: beautiful. <laughs> yep. And then the follow-up, if you haven't seen the episode, is when the practice is over, Quinn Williams goes to Mike Evans and tells him how hurt he is that, <laughs> that he called him fat. I've I, I enjoy I've enjoyed it. Schwartz is here again. We'll get his thoughts in just a second because I'm assuming he's seen episode 3 by now. I like it. I know you can dissect everything that Robert Salas says. I've been dissecting everything that Aaron Rodgers says and does, but Quentin Williams made me laugh in every episode. The bad rookie performance and then the dude rapping as Eminem. That was fun. The Cobb mob was super cute this week. I'm in. Whatever. It's fine. Last but not least, we're at Blanky Stadium. This was two nights ago, correct? This is when they were on their way to their ninth consecutive loss. Uh, And we had a verbal oopsie open mic coming back from break. And our friend Susan Waldman said something she probably didn't want us to
2: hear. Hi, this is Kyle Higashioka. Listen to every Yankees game on the Odyssey app. This is boring. (laughs) Hi, here's the center fielder, Alex Call.
4: Whoops. Ah, this is boring. Yep, she's not wrong. She's not wrong, and Mom, and Pop, stripe, which they are affectionately called here in New York. Oops, I said that city's name. If you've lost her, you've lost everybody. That's baseball. If she's given up, if she can't stand a Kyle Higashioka liner and Yankee baseball down below our Yankee Stadium, then you might as well go home as well.
5: And her entire life is based on this baseball team, right? It's 24-7, 365, if you're not familiar with Susan Wallman. I know there's a lot of goof on her with the Roger Clemens and George's box. Her crying when Joe Torre yeah. um, basically gets fired after the 07 ALDS. But she's a fan. She's a fan, and it's been that rough of a season for this team. And like you said, if you lose Susan Wallman, then you know you got issues. You know, I could use a heel turn
4: out of her and John because they are fans first. That Their existence is Yankee baseball. That's, that's who they are. That's what they do. They don't do anything else. They both go home in the offseason. They're not picking up a college basketball broadcast here or there. Susan's not working a golf event or anything like that. They disappear until spring training for the most part. This is what they do. If they spend the next six weeks just completely disinterested and it's audible in their calls of John's just like, man, the 2-2 two, to judge, swing and a miss, or it's high, it's far. It's gone. If I get that version of them just heartbroken, crestfallen, sign me up.
5: And, I, I mean, Susan Wallman, she also had a Broadway career. She can sing. Great singer. And it's, you know, she gave that up for this scene pretty much. And it's shot. And let's be honest, reality's reality.
4: They they know they don't have infinite more seasons doing that job. So every lost season, every chance that they don't get to call another world title, it feels worse for them than it would for
5: a younger person. Susan's
4: gonna have to go to Broadway again. She's gonna give up baseball now and go back to the Great Broadway, the Great White Way, is that what it's called?
5: Yeah, I would say so. I
4: don't know about that. But we might have her singing during games in September when they're not when they're officially out of playoff contention.
2: Uh, Susan
4: is the third third
2: inning.
4: One, two to judge. They're just each doing their own show. He's still calling the baseball game. She's doing live auditions.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I love pepperoni
4: during the fourth inning with the Orioles. Uh, oh, this is so boring. <laughs> In case anyone's listening, I'm just going to do a show tune.
5: <laughs> so we get there's... the Susan Wallman uh, show tune playlist throughout the rest of the season. Ugh. So that's your
4: sound check on this Thursday. Thursday. Peter Schwartz makes his second appearance of the week on headlines. And I think you meant when you were here the last time, you said there was a Schwartz family viewing party for Hard Knock. So what's the review of...
0: Episode 3. The review is very good. I've enjoyed all three of them. I don't understand the knock, no pun intended, on the show so far this season. I thought it's been fun. I, To be honest with you, I know a lot of people like, oh, the guy getting cut and you know, like, bad things happening. I was always very cringy of it when I would see that. So I can understand where the Jets didn't want that in the show. I thought it's been a good show so far. I love that scene with Quentin Williams. And that soundbite you played before ends with it's. I believe it's John Franklin Myers saying, "You look proportionate." Yeah. <laughs> and and you cut it off there because then then Quinnen turns to him and goes, "F you, John." <laughs> I think
4: I think Quinnin's great, and I yeah. think if you've been wondering about Robert Sala's impact on the team, the the scenes with Quinnen Williams, at least to me confirm that they care about Robert Sala mm-hmm. because he and Quinnen are talking the entire time, having real conversations, Quinnen a hundred percent supports him, you know, responds to him. Now, maybe that's because he's a, he's a is def- a defender and Sala's is a defensive guy. First. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm all in on the jets. If I, if I wasn't a giant fan, if I didn't have a dog in the fight, because usually hard knocks makes you care about the team mm-hmm. into the regular season. I, I I don't know. I get the Jet hype. I think they're legitimately good, and I think their problem is not their head coach. It's not their quarterback. Um, it might just be that the Dolphins or somebody else is better than them, but I think this is going to be a super
0: fun year for you and your boys. Yeah, players. I don't think the Dolphins are better than them. I think the issue will be the Bills, and we'll, we'll get a really good test first game of the season. If the Jets win that first game, then I think they'll battle Buffalo for the division title. I don't think Miami's that good.
4: Yeah. I I actually we said this yesterday. I'm a, I'm starting to get a little worried about the bills. A little too much going on around them. A little yeah. too much too many questions, a little too little much overrated. drama. I
0: think the bills are a little overrated. Yeah. And Josh Allen, listen, he's a terrific quarterback, but you know, inside the red zone, obviously he's had his issues. So listen, I I think the division's there for the Jets, there's no question. It it could have been there last year if they had a quarterback. Right. So, now they got a quarterback. So watch out. And now we got headlines. Watch out. Here's Peter Schwartz. 500 million dollar contract in free agency is certainly now up in the air for Angels two-way star Shohei Otani. Otani left the first game of yesterday's doubleheader against the Reds in the second inning after recording four outs and throwing just 26 pitches. Last night, Angels GM Perry Manassian delivered some bad news. Shohei
2: left the game today. <laughs> um, we did imaging in between games. He does have a tear, uh, you know, and he won't pitch the rest of the year. So, we're going to get a second opinion, go from there, but it's basically day-to-day. Obviously, he hit. So, um, you know, that's that's where we're at.
0: It is a tear of the UCL and Otani's right elbow. Manassian saying this is unfortunate news. Well,
2: obviously, disappointing news. I felt terrible for him, um, you know, but, you know. It is what it is, and, you know, if anybody can bounce back, it's him.
0: Otani was the DH in game two, went one for five. Angels were swept in the doubleheader by the Reds, 9-4-7-3. and seven, three. In that first game, Otani hit his 44th home run of the season. And to make matters worse for the Angels yesterday, Mike Trout goes back on the injured list. Elsewhere, the Yankees were looking to snap a nine-game losing streak, and their captain would certainly rise to the occasion. The 2-2 pitch. Chops off. Here's the 3-2. Swung on, hit in the air to right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone.
2: His wow. third home run of the game. A judge blast to right field. And the Yankees take an 8-0 lead.
0: John Sterling, Yankees radio. First career three home run game for Aaron Judge. He drove in six, and the Yankees put the brakes on their nine-game skid, beat the Nationals 9-1.
4: If I may interject, now... As has become our custom, you get any Yankee highlight accompanied by John getting hit by the Justin mm-hmm. Turner foul ball. Did I read that over the weekend, Justin Turner again hit the ball into the Yankee booth? I didn't see that. Yes, he dod- he dodged the ball at the last second. So, for a second time in a season, the same batter hit a foul ball into the—because that happened at Yankee Stadium, too. So, it's the same booth, at least. And the first one almost killed the guy, and the second one he at least dodged. Oh! That's remarkable. What are the odds of that? Have to find the highlight of that. It's got to be in the system somewhere. I I, I only saw a write up. I did not hear the. Clip. And then I think they couldn't find the ball okay. in the booth. But like, there's a
0: video of the ball going in, almost hitting him. I think it might be scraped his leg. But you know, I've gotten hit by a foul ball in the press box. Really? Yeah. I almost got by a ball last night at a Little League game. Uh, Shea Stadium, a number of years ago. I wasn't paying attention. I was working for another radio station. And uh, I was reading a memo from the boss. No emails back then. It was a printed out memo wow. that I brought with me to the game to read. And I was reading it, and all of a sudden, boom, right in my forehead <laughs> is a foul ball. And uh, I got the ball, but I had to go to first aid because I was bleeding a little bit from the forehead. <laughs> did you get the ball signed? I did not get the ball signed. I missed an on air update, only one. I just missed the one update, but I had to go down to first aid to get that cut oh. taken. Man, Taken care of. Wow. Trouble do, is fine. I man. do have the ball.
5: You know what's crazy? John Sterling has been broadcasting since 1971 because we know he has since with the Hawks. He's been with the Yankees. You know, I was with the Braves. I was with the Braves. And the Braves too on top Dale of that, Murphy was fabulous. He never had to dodge a foul ball ever in his career. And this poor guy who's 85 years old, <laughs> he's not getting hit not once, but he's dodging balls twice now.
3: Just close the window.
4: Yeah, you could do that, but open air they like. I just came with the same guy. sent another
0: missile back at them.
5: <laughs> imagine the odds of that. <laughs> could you imagine the
0: sports book? <laughs> that'd be something. Can they can they meet? Maybe Have, did they meet after the first one? I yes, don't think and they and they and, they, they, and they and they talked again about it this weekend. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, now to Milwaukee, where the Brewers and Twins went extra innings.
2: The two two pitch. Jobs softly towards third. This is a tough play. Charging Lewis.
0: Jobs throws on the run. It's not in time. Brewers win.
1: Bryce Terang put the ball in play. He hit it softly to third, and he beats out a walk-off infield single. 8-7.
2: Milwaukee completes the sweep in the 10th.
0: Call on Brewers Radio quickly to the NFL. Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan announcing Sam Darnold beat out Trey Lance for the number two quarterback job.
3: Starting back from OTAs all the way to now, I mean, it was a hell of a battle. They they were neck and neck for a long time, but just really over these last, you know, 10 days and stuff, we we felt Sam started to separate himself. Uh, We felt he did it in practice consistently, and um, he's been getting better each day.
0: And Jets wide receiver Corey Davis announces he is stepping away from football.
4: Peter, thank you very much. Uh, We'll stay in the NFL in just a second. Chris Jones' holdout when it began felt just kind of procedural, but now it doesn't feel like that at all. The stud chiefs defensive lineman's next on the DA Show. Chris Jones, at worst, is the third best or third most important Kansas City chief. Obviously, Mahomes is number one. He needs Travis Kelsey to be the full Patrick Mahomes. But maybe there's a case for Chris Jones because he is clearly their best defensive player and allows the other 10 guys on defense to do their thing by the way he plays his position. He's the second best at that position, defensive tackle, interior, pass rush, however you want to describe it. He's the second best at that job in the NFL. Only Aaron Donald is better. And Chris Jones wants to get paid at number two at the position right underneath Aaron Donald. And for him, that price tag apparently is $30 million annually. That number seems to be a little bit too high for the Chiefs, who, to bring Quinn and Williams back into the show, also has a fat, proportionate wallet because he currently has the second highest deal for a defensive tackle. That came earlier this summer from the Jets. So Chris Jones wants to get into a place where he's behind Donald in front of Quinn and Williams. I think the Chiefs want to be in that place as well, but the exact number they still can't agree upon. There's also Nick Bosa not showing up for the Niners. And the Niners just keep going. Things are fine. But this will be expected. He'll be here. He'll be here. And Bosa just not saying anything really. And he'll just be here and they'll get that done. And he'll be the highest defensive, the highest paid defensive player, period, in the NFL, some form of fashion once that's over. But the Bosa holdout is not now the Chris Jones one. They felt similar when they started. Guys wanting new deals that deserve them. They'd get them. They'll miss you know, half a training camp, all the hard stuff, all the two-a-days, whatever, come back with enough time to get ready for week one. That still appears to be the Bosa timeline, but now we've got Chris Jones this week answering a tweet for some reason about when he'll be back with week eight and then tweeting as well, don't worry, I can afford it, referencing the fines he's accruing and if he had to miss game checks, they're a million dollars a game. Andy Reid said yesterday they haven't spoken to Jones in a while, so he wasn't sure of exactly where they were in all these negotiations. There's much more posturing. There's much more negotiating through the media. There's a little more angst now about Chris Jones in Kansas City. And the Chiefs, in theory, a game or two, whatever, are okay, but obviously they need him. Obviously, if they had to outscore most opponents, they could probably get that done. But they need some form of defense. And they can't be their best on D if they don't have him in the mix. So getting this done seemed easy. It kind of no longer does. Hour number two of the DA show, the latest on the ACC. Once again, looking west and to Texas for new blood.
3: We're back in just a second on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.